Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Pod is Wars Special Edition. We are breaking down the docu-series. I, I wanted to call it Running with the Bulls. Obviously, I know that's not the title. It's called The Last Dance, documenting Ay, Dios the mio. Michael Jordan-led. Can I get done with the introduction, sir, before I'm you cut me off? The docu-series documentary Michael Jordan led Chicago Bulls so that uh, I'm Mr. Velvet Pipes Christopher Platt and that voice that you heard interrupting me is the commissioner PC Tunney and we are joined again by the one the only ladies and gentlemen put your hands together show your love for Mr. Ray Cash gentlemen how's it going muy bueno I was doing great until this melon farmer had to interrupt me during the intro. Like, how do you interrupt somebody during the introduction, man? 
But How's it's this work? Give, what is give, wrong with you? Give Ray a break. It's only his second week. <laughs> I'm talking about you, Edward Norton from American History X. <laughs> next he week, didn't interrupt next, me. He literally has not said a word yet. Let's, oh, next week we might need to tape the pre-show for everybody. That's some good shit right there. I think that best shit was uh, that first 20 minutes. Hi, Ray. How are you? Sorry. Sorry for cutting you off. Uh-oh. Hey. Yeah. There we go. Right. Hey. Hey. I'm good. What's happening? I'm I'm back for a second time. Just call me the call me the call me the black Tony Coach, even though he really is black. Uh, okay. Um yeah, okay. I'll I'll rock with that. You know what I mean? I, I would give you Dennis Rodman status, but okay. I mean, am I that wild? I'm not that crazy. Yeah, I guess it, between the three of us, if somebody was gonna be Dennis Rodman, it would probably be me. That's fair. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah, looking at I'm looking at more of a John Paxson or Steve Kerr role over here. Well, to to be fair, all three of us are Robin in our own way. That's fair. That's fair. And that haircut yeah. says, uh, "I did new that's school true. Bill Whittington more than anything." I did. I did. Hey, I did fuck your Carmen Electra. So there is that point. Wait, that's good point. for you. No, that's for you. That's not true. I don't I'm know if I saying, would. Man. I don't know. Would you? Would you? I don't know if I would. I don't think I've ever been that. Me. I don't think I've ever been that desperate in my life to follow. You know, many men. Many. It's still. It's many, still Carmen Electra, though. Many, many. Think about some of them, though. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about I mean, Dave. We're talking here. I'll just give you two of them. Dave Rod. Barrow, yeah, and Dave Dennis Barrow. Rodman. You yeah. going in after that? You're third. You're third. Those are two You're interesting th- gentlemen. You're third. So, you what up? it sounds Who's like, are you? Let someone skip you. Well, to be fair, Tony, it sounds that, that, like that's what I thought. It sounds like out. everybody's on the same page here. We could throw Prince in there as well. So it sounds like you won't have nothing to worry about, Tony, because she only banks talent. So sounds like you could throw a lot of people in there. <laughs> Probably like throwing a hot dog down a hallway or a wrench in a closet. I mean, Jesus Christ yeah. could hit the fucking ocean from there. Yeah, it's easy to say that until you have Carmen Electra in front of you and she's like, mm. what's up? Okay, cool. But like, you oh, have that man. talent. There's a There's meatball hoagie over there. I'm good. Motherfucker said a meatball hoagie. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all the oh. cheese and sauce on that motherfucker. I'm good. Comes with classic lines from the top. <laughs> but guys, come on now. We're talk- Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, please. You were, you were, we're, we're on the same boat, and you do it better. So please, go ahead. Do you want me to sing? We're talking basketball. You sing. You're a better singer. Come on now. No, Melon Farmer, you were about to lead us into what the hell we was about to do. That's no, I was I gonna. Your... I was no, I was about to go. We're talking basketball. That's what I was oh. about to do. Basketball <laughs> is my sport. <laughs> I love it how they dribble up and down the court. <laughs> Shout out to Curtis Blow, by the way. Oh, oh before we uh, before uh, we get started here, man, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up we lost four legends this weekend. We lost a uh, uh, music uh, mogul Andre Harrell, Little Richard, who is the architect of modern music. Whoever your favorite is, they stole from Little Richard. That's a fact. It's not even up for debate. Also, Sunday, yesterday, we're recording this on Monday. We lost uh, singer Betty Wright. Clean up woman, all of that. 
legendary. And last but certainly not least, legendary comedian Jerry Stiller, father of Ben Stiller. Y'all know Jerry, King of Queens, Seinfeld. For most of the modern fans, that's how y'all would recognize him. But we we lost him as well at the ripe old age of 92. So R.I.P. Shout out to those four icons that we lost this weekend. Yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in power. Uh, yeah, man, it's... You know they say they go in threes, but they went in fours, so maybe yeah. COVID's changing the world. COVID is definitely changing the world, but that's a whole other conversation for a whole other podcast. We probably have to get Joe Rogan on here to have that conversation, but that's the air though there. We are that, here... can't get that high, bro. I can't get high enough to have that conversation with him. <laughs> All right. Well then, hey, let's take a quick let's take a let's take a quick break and before that, we're, we're going to take a full moment of silence for for a lot of legends and and for people that affected a lot of lives. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Why should you visit the chairshot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. And before we move on, use your heads indeed and make sure you all go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Pick up your official chair shot t-shirt. We've got something there for everybody. We've got Save Tag Team Wrestling, Baron Corbin sucks, Jesus did the job, whatever your flavor is. If you enjoy the content that we provide on a day in and day out basis, show us some love by going to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Please and thank you. Thank you and please. That being said, Gentlemen, let's get into the reason why we're here, which are episodes eight, excuse me, seven and eight of The Last Dance, which <sighs> I'm a little hurt, man, because we only have two more left and I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this conversation. I've been enjoying the documentary and I, I'm, it sucks that we only have two episodes left at this point. Well, don't worry about it, because in two weeks we got the life and times of Slim Boulder. Come on, ESPN. Ah, Damn. I would watch that. (laughs) I would watch that. ESPN ate the Ocho. All right. I got the rundown here. It starts with Jordan retiring, and it starts with people coming up with crazy schemes of whether or not – schemes, I would say crazy hypotheses of why Jordan's gone, what happened there, the whole lot of gambling things were going on. And you guys wanted to talk about Slim Boulder, so let's have that conversation before we get started here. Ray, I'm 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 gonna let you go, man, because I've got some interesting thoughts about that whole situation. But yeah, I I, I want to hear your thoughts about the Jordan retirement. You're a little bit younger than us, so I, I'd be interested to hear number one how you heard about the retirement because I remember, man, I was in maybe sixth or seventh grade when it happened, and they literally rolled televisions into the lunchroom during his press conference, and we sat there in the lunchroom and watched Michael Jordan's retirement speech at the time. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts, uh, uh, especially concerning the conspiracy theories and just everything that's around the Jordan retirement. Well, so 
I am a little younger than you, and I, I, I didn't really start really getting into basketball enough to remember it and it to be, like, a real factor in my life until at 93, 94, 94, 95, between those two seasons. So I know this is going to sound really crazy, uh, but I don't – the way I remember finding out Jordan was gone was when I saw the Rockets in the finals of 94 playing the Bulls, playing the Knicks. And I was like, where the fuck is Jordan? And that's when I realized, oh, shit, he retired. Um, from that moment on, I was laser into it. Like, I would read the sports page and every day from that point, point on. But before that, I was still a five, six, seven-year-old kid, you know? Um, but in hindsight and growing up and living through uh, those, that final uh, three-peat, the second one, 96, 97, 98, and uh, seeing the Rockets win the two here in Houston um, and being into it seriously at that point, you kind of, even though I missed it in real time, I felt it because, like, the way he came back, he came back with a vengeance, and it, it was just like, he, we already know he has a, he has a competitive vigor like no other, but, like, you could physically see it manifest out of his out of his body, like almost like an aura in those last three years, um, especially coming back from what he had to come back from. I do remember when I was younger, I don't know if it was after he came back or later on hearing about his father dying. And the first person or the first time I ever heard about the conspiracy about him being suspended for 18 months was Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons uh, mentioned it on, I don't know if he was still writing for SBN or if it was on the podcast, which it was probably was both, all of them, because Bill Simmons is going to say what the fuck you want to say. And at the time, I wasn't knowledgeable enough to say that's bullshit, that's right. But it was really odd to me, ignorantly, that it was literally 18 months. That was, the, that was how odd it was to me. It wasn't like it was... 16 months, it was 21 months. It, it literally came down to practically 18 months, which was really weird to me. Um, watching The Last Dance yesterday, if we were being fed the truth, which, you know, Victor's tell the story, uh, it made sense. Because I remember the baseball strike, and there was no baseball. And there was no spring training because there were replacement uh, players. And I know that to be true because my grandfather on my father's side was a replacement ump that year. Hmm. So I know it to be true. Um, so it made more sense that I ain't got shit to do. Might as well go shoot some hoops and I fall back in love with the shit. But I do know. And I, I very I do know this very adamantly. Michael Jordan has a lot of skeletons in his closet that will probably never come out. I just I, I I'm I'm not gonna be so disrespectful as to put his father's death and his vices in the same breath because that's a, that's that's a load I'm not prepared to unpack, uh, and I don't want to do that to anybody. Um, but. My man had such a competitive fire, a competitive addiction, that 
he lived a life that behooved conspiracy theorists to plausibly believe the conspiracies. You know what I mean? And to take it full circle before I throw it back to you, that's only compounded by the fact that my man was hanging out with a former drug dealer in the jury curl named Slim. <laughs> and so we laugh and joke about that. We really do. But legitimately, imagine if Tom Brady was walking around here with a white dude in a mullet with tattoos on his neck. That's no, it will happen. Of talent, not at that level of greatness, at that level of, quite frankly, money. So it 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 if anything, Jordan is probably a a victim of his own competition and of living too messy of a life that while nothing has come out, it allows people to believe. So before Ray brings up some very interesting points, and before I get into what I want to talk about on this particular topic, PC. You and I, we're, we're the same age. And I feel like this was one of those moments where, you know, people say this about the Kennedy assassination or the moon landing. And, you know, newer generations are going to say this about Kobe's death, RIP. But I this was that. one of those where were you moments. So, Tony, where were you and when you found out that Jordan was retiring from the NBA the first time? I don't remember where I was. I remember watching the, him on the podium. I can tell you that. I can remember watching the TV and him up. I believe it was like uh, a little raised stage and there was like a blue front in the front of it or something like that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I do remember the press conference a little bit, whether it was that one or the other. What I remember most is when I heard about it, I was excited he was going to play baseball. <laughs> That's fair. I was really excited for that. Um, the Bucks were horrible then. You know, the Bulls would whip our ass all the time. Uh, it's funny when they came back, their 70th win to break the record that season, they went on to beat the Sonics. They won number 70 in Milwaukee. Um, of course they did. And of course you remember that. I wasn't there, but <laughs> even a bad Bucks team, though, would give the Bulls fits. It was funny. They kind of figured out a way to give themselves a chance to beat them. They would stop everybody else. They'd let get Jordan get 45 or 50, and they would stop everybody else on the team and see if that could be enough. Most times it wasn't, but they get a victory here and there against them. And when you play a team enough like that, I guess you would. I don't remember exactly where I was, but I remember thinking that I was excited for him to go play baseball. Um, when I was that young, I didn't think that it was a gambling thing. The people that brought that up, I was like, I was so in love with Jordan, right? I had Chicago Bulls Zubas. I had the Air Jordan t-shirt. I had the Chicago Bulls hat with the with the leather brim. I mean, I loved the Chicago Bulls because the Bucks were horrible. So, you know, unfortunately, I don't remember where I was. I think you do, though. Yeah, I literally said it before Ray started talking, but that's neither here nor there. I um, I, I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to give your thoughts out before I got on my long soliloquy when it comes to this particular topic. So one thing that I've tried to do while we've been doing this series 
you know, in 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 jet opposed to the documentary that's happening right now, you have to remember they've been sitting on this footage for damn near what twenty years. And it was finally Michael Jordan that gave them the okay to use this footage and, you know, commence to do this documentary. Oh, now, here the, comes the story that I've heard now was I that he, he gave from. Said it again. Sorry. Never mind. I, I should have just said that in my head. No, what'd you say? You were breaking up. I, 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 I know. Ahead. I know where you're going to end up with this. So go ahead. I'll I'll message Ray on the side. That's fair. So, you know, if the rumor in, in your window is to be believed, shout out to Uncle Bruce Pritchard, the reason that this footage was even released was because of the day in 2016 that was the victory parade for the Cleveland Cavaliers and mm-hmm. LeBron James finally bringing the title to Cleveland. That was the day, allegedly, that Jordan Mike said, hey, let's do call. something with this. Yeah, yeah, made the call to do something with this. And I mean, and, and that being said, it's a documentary and this wouldn't have gotten made without Jordan's permission and consent. So they're they're only going to go so far in terms of, you know, showing a certain side of Michael Jordan. And they've done a good job of that, but it is what it is. So what I've been trying to do during this whole podcast that we've been doing is trying to add a little context to the conversation, considering that this is going to be Jordan-centric. And while you both are laughing and texting each other and hearty-har-har-har, that's what I've been trying to do this whole time. Anywho, that being said, I, I can't say for certain, I don't know for a fact that Michael Jordan was suspended from basketball because of his gambling exploits. I don't know that for a fact. Now, what I can offer you is some shit that I do know. And, you know, they talked about it last night on the episode about how, you know, David Stern, why would David Stern kill his cash cow and send him off? That makes sense. Like, from a money standpoint, that makes sense. Plus, on the same point, it's been 20 some odd years and nobody has come forward and said anything. Nobody's leaked anything. So, you know, that kind of gives credence to he just decided to retire. Plus, when your dad dies, man, I can I you know, I can attest to that. My dad died, you know, uh, was it 2011, nine years ago. So you do weird things trying to come to terms with that. I understand all of that. Plus, he was 30 years old at the time. And I mean. We're all 30-plus at this particular point in time. So you understand, like, at 30, you're not really a man and you deal with things differently. So I, I could see all of that factoring into his, his his uh you know, for him going to play baseball. I could see all that factoring into all of that. So I can see all that. That being said, what are you doing? Right? There it is. I was waiting for the butt. I knew it was coming. I was waiting. This was, this was a legendary butt. I was waiting for it. Give it to me. Give it to me. Like, give it to me. So, that being said, and I'm going to tell you what I know as fact, and I've read a lot of articles, I've read books about this particular situation. There's a gentleman named Al Prophet, and Al Prophet, he does um he does documentaries about gangsters and drug dealers and things of that sort. And he actually did uh something about this particular incident, which you can find on his YouTube channel. Go to Al Prophet. Like it's very interesting. This, what I'm about to say, I know for a fact. I can't say that the NBA suspended Michael Jordan for gambling because I don't know that. I don't know that to be fact. 
But I'm about to tell you what I know for a fact. If you don't believe me, you can look it up for your goddamn selves because um, the truth ain't got to be validated by ignorance. So the FBI were investigating certain mob people, certain, you know, people affiliated with mob families. And there were two names that came up during that particular investigation. One was Isaiah Thomas. The other was Michael Jordan. So Isaiah Thomas, he was cool with a uh, mafia-associated gentleman in, you know, in the state of Michigan, and they were running yeah, illegal gambling. Okay, fair enough. I ain't gonna go there. I ain't heard that one. But they were running illegal uh, gambling houses at one of his homes in a suburb of Detroit. They were having illegal gambling parties and stuff like that. And of course, everybody knows about Michael Jordan and his gambling and his association with, you know, mafioso people. So the FBI didn't do anything with this information. They just turned it over to the NBA because they literally, they weren't investigating Isaiah or Michael. It just so happens during their investigation, their names came up because they were connected with certain people that the FBI happened to be investigating. And they just turned the information over to the NBA. So I'm not saying, I'm just saying, but what I just told you, I like you that's literal fact. If you don't believe me, you can look it up for your goddamn self. That's a fact. Plus, when you add in, you know, the circumstances around Michael Jordan's father's death, when you really peel it away, what we were told, it just doesn't make sense. Like the official story, he was tired and pulled. He was tired and going home and pulled off to the side of the road and took a nap. How does that make any sense whatsoever? Like seriously, think about this. Why does that make sense? So he just pulled off to the side of the road to take a nap, and you're Michael Jordan's father. You got paper. You got credit cards. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Oh, I, I want you to finish the PC, but I just want to say to that point. And I know I'm a very unique situation because I have severe sleep apnea. So I pull over and take naps all of the time. I don't I can't put my situation in, into Mr. Jordan's situation. And I don't know I don't know much about Jordan's parents. Um other than the old man and him were real close and he was at almost every game. I know that. Um the only my only uh retort is that sometimes some parents, like I've seen a lot of parents in the NBA or NFL or whatever, of really popular or rich people try their best to live as normal life as possible, even though their kids are rich. So if the old man, and again, it, I'm completely with you. Something about the story just don't feel right, but I think it could be very legitimate. She, the mom even mentioned that he would go to Wilmington often and go see friends by himself. So I don't know. I just, I just, everything else you said, I can rock with because all that makes sense. It, and you say it's facts, so I believe you. All that makes sense. I'm not so sold on the the father. Was he targeted? Probably. That might be that might be something to really look into. But the old man may really just have got tired and fell asleep. <clears throat> I, I, if I had to bet something significant on what I thought was what had happened or, bad, or what bad, the real unintended or what the real, no, that was, that was not intended, but if, this is just the only way I can kind of get my point across is, you know, you're being forced to tell someone with, with consequence, if you're wrong, what you think happened, right? So you're giving your best hypothesis here. I don't think Jordan was suspended. 
I do think that there were some kind of backdoor conversations to the fact that there could be some problems here. I've also heard an off-the-wall thing that kind of makes everything make sense a little bit, and maybe it would to you guys too, is that maybe Mike didn't have the gambling problem so much as his dad did and got in trouble. Um, but like Platt said, you I mean, there was the guy didn't have a sleep apnea problem. He didn't have any kind of health problems from what we know. It's very random to just pull off to the side of the road in a place you've been many, many times. Um, did yep. he, you know, I mean, unless he was drinking or something, but it, it just, it doesn't pass the smell test. I'm not challenging the fact that Jordan's gambling. If I had to bet on it, I wouldn't say that Jordan or his father's gambling led to his father's death. I wouldn't say that Jordan's gambling led to his suspension. And again, man, just to reiterate, man, I've been a, a or to young a man. suspension or to a suspension. I've been a young man that had to deal with your father's death. And, you know, regardless of the relationships that we have in our with our fathers and, you know, a lot of times the, the father son relationship is very contentious. It, it just is what it is. But at some level, all of us want to make our fathers proud, whether good or bad, right or wrong. We want to either make our fathers proud or do better than they did. You know what I mean? Like, there's, that's some shit going on there. So to have your father pass away, yeah, I, I can understand where that would take you to a place mentally where, you know, it, 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 you, you, people do strange things under those circumstances, man, when loved ones die. So I can understand that. You know, and I, I, I'm starting to lean more towards, yeah, he just wanted to take a break and, you know, whatever, whatever. I'm just saying there, these are, there are these ancillary facts that are out there that, again, if you don't believe me, don't take my word for nothing. I say that all the time. Don't take my word for nothing. Go do your own research and look it up. Like, everything that I've told you tonight is absolutely 100% unequivocally true, and I will die on that hill. But I can also understand your dad died. You're in a weird space. You know what I mean? You grew up loving baseball. He loved baseball. Old, All old black men of a certain age love baseball. I can talk yeah. about that to, with my grandfather. Like, that was the sport. Like, they love baseball. So I can understand where you're in a weird spot and you want to go do that. And one of the things about this documentary is that they do a good job of highlighting just how difficult it is to be Michael Jordan. And that pressure... And everything that goes along with that. They were basically traveling rock band. And everything that goes along with being Michael Jordan and trying to excel and be the best at what you field, I can understand why that would take a mental terror on somebody or take a mental toll on somebody and they want to step away and be like, I'm I'm peace out. I'm going to try to do something else where I'm not Michael Jordan, you know, where I could just be regular dude trying to make it work. So I understand that. So I go back and forth with that ultimately if Gun to my head, do I think he was suspended because of some gambling things? I, I would say no, because again, I go back to why would David Stern kill the cash cow? Yeah. Let's move forward. We're talking about the baseball thing. Let's talk about the baseball thing. You know, it's funny because he ends up playing for the same guy who was the owner of the Bulls, is the owner of the White Sox. And it's kind of funny because Reinsdorf is like, you know, from where Jordan was, he, he was – he played baseball his entire life until he was 17, and they didn't play it all until he was 31, right? 
And if he would have decided to play baseball, he would have got drafted and probably would have been a major league baseball player. And he also says at the end of when they're talking about the baseball thing, uh, Terry Francona, who, would, who was his actual double A coach, Which and is ended crazy. up, yeah, goes on to win multiple titles. <clears throat> Manager um, the Cleveland Indians, and and before that, the Boston Red Sox. It, it's it's just well, the winner usually comes first. So. Uh, you guys, you guys let the Cubs win a fucking championship. Sorry, don't sidetrack me like that. <laughs> don't remind me. Two, 2016 never happened. It never happened. So it's amazing that that all fell into place. And Terry Francona says if Jordan could have got 1,200 to 1,500 bats, he would have been a Major League Baseball player if he wanted to continue on that track. Like, they talk about the fact that he would have started at rookie or A-ball, not at double-A, but they didn't have the press ability to hold what was going to happen when Jordan was going to show up for these games, right? He would finish top five in steals and top ten in walks. And nobody mentions the fact that he started his double-A career with a 13-game hitting streak. And then they figured out, dude can't hit a curveball. We got Pedro Serrano up in here. And I'm just comparing them to because they both could. I'm only comparing them because they couldn't hit a curveball. That's it. Not that they're both bald head black guys. Okay, cool. They are. Keep, continue, continue. And three strikes, they were both out. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, I, I will, go ahead. Michael Jordan was not a bad baseball player, and it was clear that the best athlete possibly in the history of this planet was very capable of being good at a lot of things. So, number one, a couple things. Number one, it was interesting that Jerry Reinsdorf, obviously he owns both the Chicago Bulls and the White Sox. He was going to get a return on his investment somehow, some way. He's a businessman. He tries to act during this uh, this documentary. Oh, I didn't know what's going on. I'm just a lonely owner. No, Mellon Farmer, you knew what it was. You was trying to make that paper. I'm not mad at you, but... Don't be a bitch about it, man, and and call the spade a spade, which I probably shouldn't say that when I'm talking about black athletes, but that's neither here nor there. But it is what it is. He was trying to get a return on his investment. And number two, bruh, they're finna let Tim Tebow in the major leagues. Just because he's got name recognition and value, he's going to get some shots at the major leagues. So there's no, and no disrespect to Tim Tebow, but there's no doubt in my mind, had the strike not happened eventually, Michael Jordan would have ended up on the Chicago White Sox in some capacity. And number three, the fact that he was able to bat 200 ever after not playing baseball for, what, 11, 12 years, that's A, a testament to his athleticism, and more importantly, a testament to his work ethic. And and I, I have to say this, the, the Birmingham number 23 or 45, whatever you want, that's still the best-selling jersey for that team. To this day, Tim Tebow is entering his fifth year of minor league baseball. If it would have started this year, Tim Tebow is an actual guy who's actually trying to be a baseball player. Jordan, it was a side thing. He's also going to be a lifetime minor leaguer because I don't know. He's getting closer and closer. I mean, they'll break him up. He played uh, played, uh, played circumstance for Tim Tim Tebow, and people love Tim Tebow. I mean, that's fair. And the Mets are terrible, so. He played Triple A last year. The year before in Double A, he hit two seventy three. So just saying, that's actually not bad. Two seventy three. Not bad. Yeah, he'll get a shot. Um, the interesting thing to me about the Reinsdorf 
owning both teams, Jordan playing baseball thing. There was one quote he said that made me laugh so hard, and it wasn't funny. You probably, guys probably didn't even notice it, but just because of the connotations of what it meant. Excuse me, Jerry Reinsdorf said that um, Michael came to him and told him, hey, man, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm retiring. I'm going to quit. And then Jerry said, well, you know what? I didn't try to talk him out of it. I just said he had to go talk to Phil. In my mind, I'm thinking, bitch, because you own the team you're going to go to. No, you don't give a fuck. Why would you care? Like, any other owner would be like, what are you doing? And then yeah. at the press conference. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. I was going to say at the press conference, he was, and he was putting, he was putting on the ham and putting on the cologne and, and the perfume real good. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I have sadness, but I couldn't be happier that a man is making the thing he really wants to make. Go ahead, PC. No, no, we're we're literally saying the exact same thing, just different ways. Like, yeah, as long as Reisdorf was gonna make his paper, that's that's it. And he tries to come across like he's this, this you know, oh, I didn't know what was going on type of guy. When at the end of the day, you were on the team, and nothing happens without your consent. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. But go go ahead, Tony. Let's put it this way, though. Let let me play devil's advocate for a minute because I think I fall somewhere in between what you guys are saying and the side that I'm gonna give you right now. And I don't do this a lot, but argue for a side I don't fully believe in. But what if he knew he couldn't change Jordan's mind and he thought, why piss him off? Maybe he'll go play baseball. Because if you really think about it, he's losing a shit ton of money still because Jordan's going to play baseball instead of, of basketball, right? And the only way to get Michael, maybe he knew Michael was going to come back. Maybe he knew. Maybe he just knew. I don't want to give him that much credit, and I don't really believe that. I think I fall in the middle somewhere, maybe a little bit closer to what you guys are thinking, but definitely more closer to the middle. Your point about pissing Michael off is very valid, because if you watched last night, you would we're going to talk about it. Do you think Reinsdorf wanted to be hated by Jordan and Pippen like Kraus was? I mean, he used Kraus as his guy to take all the fucking slack. No, but I don't think it's – I don't think there's – and this is Michael Jordan, so we don't know. But I don't think there's any danger in the owner saying, look, man, I'm supporting whatever you do, but are you sure this is what you want to do? Well, and then continue the with the devil's said, advocate thing, though. That might have been why he said if anybody can convince him, it's Phil. Okay, I, I fair enough. Think, I don't well, think Phil would – I don't, I don't think he said I'm, – I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't think he said on the field to convince him, and maybe that's – Maybe I, I took that wrong. I think he sent him to Phil so that Phil could be the one to say, all right, cool, and he didn't have to be that guy. But if anybody knows Phil, Phil is 100% player. And, in fact, I bet you, again, we'll talk about it in this podcast. Phil was probably happy to have Jordan for a year because that year 94 proved he can coach. Let me just say this then. So Michael Jordan leaving to go play baseball literally paved the way for Dennis Rodman to go to Las Vegas on that fucking 72-hour trip. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, so n- number one, Mr. Cash, man, don't ever interrupt for cutting me off because if I had my druthers, I would sit on here for a whole hour and talk by myself. So don't ever, don't ever apologize for that. It needs to be done from time to time. Number I two. I apologize for apologizing. And I accept your apology for apologizing. But 
<laughs> but number two, it you know, it, it, it hits different when not only do you own the basketball team, but you also own the baseball team that this Mellon Farm is about to go play for. So that means that you can get a return on your investment. Because I'm pretty sure if it was a different owner in a different circumstance and their golden goose was trying to leave the sport that laid the golden egg, they would have more of an issue with it and they would oh, yeah. do more. They would do more to talk them into staying as opposed to we'll go talk to the coach. Like or, I can I can buy the go ahead. I was gonna to add to your point, or at the very least, ask them to stay. Because if I'm and this is maybe it's my fault that I'm believing this man at his word. I don't you, believe you him, should. but if I'm you should I don't believe you him should. at his word, but I'm but I'm 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 going by the story that's being told to me. The way this man told the story was he didn't even bring up staying. He was like, Oh, all right, cool. I hey, I see you, I see you at the golf course. Like, no, that's no. Yeah, but you can't take him for his word either because he tries to act like, oh, I didn't know what was going on between um, uh, Jerry Krause and Phil Jackson, which, again, he's the Mellon Farmer that signed everybody's checks. He could have got them both in a room and said, look here, Krause, Jackson, I'm signing the checks. Y'all figure that shit out. Make this work. We're not about to kill this goose that laid the golden egg. But we're 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 gonna get to that a little bit here too, because I, I have a contention with some people that think that if Jordan would have stayed, they would have won eight consecutive titles. I don't think that would have happened, but we're gonna get to that momentarily. And PC is gonna lead us to that and navigate us to that particular conversation. All right, here's how where I want to start. First, before we get into that, because I would like to spend a, a good round of each getting their their thoughts on that because i know ray's got probably a really good zinger of a of a take um i i want to talk from houston yes um (laughs) why else so touche before we start i want to get real briefly around the horn here scotty pippen deciding not to go in for the 1.8 seconds while Jordan was gone, because Phil drew up the play for Tony Kukoc. And I want to talk about that and get everybody's opinion on that because of the way it played out in the documentary. And to me, you got a guy who had already hit four game winners, like in the same situation, you know, Platt, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? I feel like they went easy on Scottie Pippen in that situation. So before I come back around, let me say this. Phil, that might have been Phil's best coaching job that year because that team won 50-some-odd games. And you could make a legitimate argument that that team should have went to the NBA Finals. There was a bullshit call that happened in Game 5 in the second round versus the Knicks that is debatable. Yeah, Hugh Hollins, yes. It's debatable. But that might have been Phil's best coaching job. So I can understand that whole season. You know Phil is the master manipulator. He's putting that battery in Scottie Pippen's back, letting him know you're the man, you're just good as Jordan, yada, 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 trying to get everything that he can get out of him. So when he gets to that particular point, it's game time. The game's on the line. You've been pumping me up this whole season. I should be the one taking that last second shot. But that being said, that's bitch shit by Scottie Pippen. It is. 
And the fact that it worked out makes it look even worse. So, yeah, I, I can't rock with that, man. And, you know, Scotty, he's been a little sussed anyway, but that's bitch shit. Like, you know what I mean? It, it is what it is. I, I, There's no excuse for that. And everybody makes mistakes, you know, so I'm not trying to bury him as a person. But that that's a bad look. In the legacy of Scottie Pippen, we've got to throw that on there. And that's a bad look. It It, it is quite bitch-made. It's 100% bitch-made. It's a thousand percent bitch made. Is it's what uh, those of us who grew up in the early two thousands might remember. One Sean Puffy Combs calling bitch assness. Um, but both parties were right. Scotty was right to feel that. Who the fuck are you talking to? This is the playoffs. I'm the best player. Not only am I the best player, but I'm underappreciated with the damn management. I'm under pressure on this damn team because y'all probably thought I I was replaceable all these years. And then I show y'all I'm a damn MVP candidate this year after being one of the top three, four, five players in the league for the past four years, and I can't get the ball. And better yet, it's not even just that he couldn't get the ball. The, the details. They had him taking the ball out. That's the cold part. He wasn't even, he didn't have a chance to be a part of the play. They had him taking the ball out. That's insulting. Nonetheless, you paid to do a job, get your ass up and do the job. And Tony said it perfectly. Said it perfectly. Like, Tony Kuko hit that shot like six times in the regular season. So, it's not like this is a random call for Jeff Bushler or Randy Brown. <laughs> like, this is one of your best players and quite possibly your most clutch player that year taking a shot he makes regularly and has made in the same position multiple times that year. So both people are right, but shout out to Uncle Bill having to pull out the old uh, pour some visine in my eyes and I'm going to cry to get my point across. Because, <laughs> I mean, it works. The next day, there was Gucci, and then you saw that was, and that's the thing I, don't, I didn't remember as a kid. The very next game is when Pip, like, put his nuts in Pat Ewan's mouth and dunked on him. Yeah. I didn't realize that was the next game. That's so, one of the most iconic dunks in NBA history. That's probably, uh, other than the Lister blister, that's the most disrespectful dunk in history. In NBA history. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah, Pip, yeah that, Pip was bitch made for that. And he knew he was bitch made for that because he apologized the second they got to the damn locker room. He knew he was wrong for that. Let me just say a couple things real quick. Was he wrong? Yes. Would I be a hypocrite if I didn't tell you that I have been in situations where I've told people this is what I do, that's not what I do in sports? Very much so, yes. Uh, that being said, not everything's fair. Not everyone's equal. That's real. Scottie Pippen has a lot more role than a lot of people before they're going to say, you can't do that anymore. You know what? He's got a lot more leeway. That's the end of it. He gets a lot more slack than anybody else, except for Michael Jordan. So, yeah, there's going to be some stares and some people that are going to get pissed off, but they know where their butter's breaded, or their bread is buttered, right? Scottie Pippen's the man. They need him when Jordan's there. They need him whether Jordan's there or not. 
Hey, man, that word fair, that's a four-letter word in my household. Like, my dad always taught me, R.I.P. Fair is where they judge the pigs and have the pie-eating contest. So if you're looking for fair oh, in this I, world, you're going to be looking for a long time. I thought fair is what you gave the people in Uber or taxis. That, too. Exactly. We Different toilets, same shit. We saying the exact same thing. No, that, that was, very, <laughs> yeah. that was very pointed. That was very pointed, Tony. Like, like Fair don't mean shit in sports. It, it don't. Uh, and if keep it keep it a buck, I probably would have done the same shit Scotty did. In the in the moment, keep it a buck. Like that's bit that, like that's that's bitch made to me. I'm and that that that's how I know that's how I know Scotty real because he responded and you y'all might take this take take this as not being real, but he responded with some bitch ass shit by pulling some concurrent bitch ass shit. <laughs> touche, touche. All right, let's answer the question that Platt asked, and I think we should let Ray go last here. Yeah, you want to you want to kick this off, Platt, or you want me to just kind of set it up and give my opinion here? Yes, yeah, set it up, give your opinion, and we'll go around the horn, and then we'll move on to the next topic. So the biggest mystery I would say then in Michael Jordan's career is if he wouldn't have left, would have found a way to stay motivated and healthy. Would they have indeed possibly won eight championships in a row? I like to say yes, but those are big ifs, considering the conclusions that we've tried to come to here. And not putting a ton of weight on the fact that Houston had a really good team, but putting some measures into the fact that Akeem Olajuwon and the squad and the coach that he had surrounding him the the team that he had surrounding him as a whole was extremely formidable. Hell no. Because they've talked about it in the preceding episodes in this documentary, how the grind was starting to get to Jordan. And people have made inferences, well, not even inferences. They flat out said that he was going to retire regardless of what happened with his dad after that third championship season in 93. There's no way in hell. I know we like to romanticize this shit, but that grind would have caught up to them. Plus, lest we forget, that team that they lost to in 95, and we're going to get to when Jordan came back. We're Obviously, we're going to get to that. But that Orlando team that they lost to, that was a damn good team. And not only was that a damn good team, the Bulls weren't that great of a squad that year. It was coach it was Pippen, and it was a bunch of other melon farmers. I mean, Judd Bushler was getting some prime time minutes, for Christ's sakes. That just was not a good team. And I'm not convinced that even if Jordan would have been there that whole time, that that Bulls team, the way it was constructed, would have been able to beat that Magic team. Lest we forget if they would have been able to beat that Magic team and get to the finals, that Rockets team was damn good, as Tony alluded to. I mean, those two years that Jordan was gone, Akeem went to another level. He was on God status. Plus, they had a young Sam Cassell. They had a young Robert Ory. They traded for Clyde Drexler the second year. Um, who else? Ke- Kenny Jajet Smith, Mario Alley, like Vernon Mack, crazy-ass Vernon Maxwell. Yeah, Otis Thorpe was the first one, but then they traded him for Clyde. Yeah, but Jackie Brown that was, was a, the second one. But, but that was a really good team those two years. And 
I don't know if the Bulls wouldn't have been able to, to beat that team. It, it, it's a interesting what if, but it's hard for me to believe that they would have won eight consecutive titles. I the, the bottom line is I think that grind would have just been way too much. It it would have, which is why we don't give LeBron enough credit for making it to nine consecutive NBA finals. But I'm not gonna go there. This ain't about Brown. This is the Jordan Preach. thing. I'm just saying Preach. church, tabernacle, and synagogue. Um oh, I so you you kind of took my surprise point. I didn't think anybody would bring up, but you, yes, I think most reasonable people would would realize that going to eight straight finals under the scrutiny that Michael Jordan was under is the grind it would take to do that. It's almost damn near impossible, right? So his like I think there's like what three two like there's one team and, and another guy like it's like. Bill Russell and the Celtics playing like six foot two white boys and LeBron. And that's yeah. it. That did it that many times. Um uh so so that's working against against him. And even if he was superhuman and Herculean enough to overcome that, which could be possible, the biggest point before we even get to Houston is man, I don't know if he would have got to out the east again in those two years. Because and I I, I know that sounds disrespectful. And Do I need to my, laugh at you like he laughed at Gary Payton? I mean, well, I mean, that meme is hilarious, so I wouldn't mind. Uh, <laughs> you know when you laugh and you tilt your head to the side like that? You know it's funny. That was a respect laugh, though. That was Pat- a laugh out of respect. You, Patrick, didn't pick up, you didn't pick up on that? Patrick Ewing ain't never got nothing on Michael Jordan. They ain't oh. never. They were never going to beat the Bulls, ever, in the history of the history of the history of history. When they had history before history was history. I tend to agree with you, but this is what I'm thinking about. The The Knicks were, while I don't think they were a great team, they were one of the elite teams of the day. Um, you had the Magic, which were just learning how to put they... Let me give you strong. further. Let me give you further proof so we can just end this argument right now. There was Michael Jordan, and he left, and the Knicks got to a finals... And then the Knicks got to maybe the Eastern Conference Finals the next year because there were no Bulls. And then there was Jordan again. And then Jordan left, and the Knicks got back to the Finals again the very next fucking year. Right. You're right. But, but so, they so is I'm, never going to beat Jordan, ever. Just, think, just show, you, show you, them fraud alone. You you think that that many times he would never, the, the Knicks would never. Do you know how many goddamn ever, times ever, Brett Favre ever. and Aaron Rodgers have beaten the Bears? It's like oh, fucking more than I could count if I took my shoes and socks off. You're right, but the Bears have been to the to the Super Bowl in the past 15 years. What did I can say about the Browns? So I mean, no, you're right, but I'm I'm saying, all, all I'm saying is I'm not I'm not saying definitively the Knicks would have beat the Bulls. I'm just saying at some point, and the and the Knicks were brutal back in those days. Like they didn't play very finesse ball. They beat the shit out of you, right? And this was kind of the last time. This was kind of the last era which you kind of still could do that before before getting, like, really penalized. Because, like, I think you said on the last episode, the flagrant fouls started coming up and whatnot. Um, the Pacers were coming, to, were starting to get good again. Uh, Grant Hill had Detroit down there look, being competitive. They wouldn't have won no championships or nothing, but they were competitive, right? So, like, you had more competition that would have pushed that man harder and harder and harder. And Everybody has a breaking point, right? And then, let alone we get to Houston. I'm sorry, I'm going to give it to you. I'm almost finished. 
you give it to Houston, and Hakeem was like the greatest. It is said a million times, I know, but the greatest um, credit or the greatest compliment you give Hakeem Olajuwon is nobody ever criticizes Houston for drafting him before Michael. Right? Point, point blank, period. So that goes to show you that while maybe he's not the greatest player, he's not in the same greatest player conversation, that man got some respect on, 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 on Michael, right? I'm going com- to Michael. I'm going to compare Hakeem Olajuwon to Glenn Robinson. That's okay. the most disrespectful. Like, that no, 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 is no, no. the most disrespectful no, 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 thing no, no, no. you've ever seen. And here's why. And here's why. I'm gonna. You're gonna. Glenn you're gonna take Robinson? it. You're gonna take There's it back. There's no way. You're gonna take and it back. I love. You're gonna take it I back after Glenn I finish Robinson. my comparison. Here's whoa, whoa, how I'm gonna Glenn. compare them. Would you let me finish my statement first? I'm gonna compare Hakeem Olajuwon to Glenn Big Dog Robinson. Okay. When they were both coming out of college, there was. Zero question as to who was going to be the number one pick. End of story. That's the comparison. That's the only comparison I'm going to make. And that's the only reason why no one criticizes Houston for taking Akeem Olajuwon at the time. Now, let me just drop this story. And Platt's heard it a million times. He knows where I'm going, and I'm going to make it brief. Portland had the number two pick. They already had Clyde Drexler. Uh, Dr. Jack Ramsey was the coach. He was good friends with Bob Knight, who had already had Jordan on the Olympic team. I might have told the story last week. Dr. Jack Ramsey asked Bob Knight, who should I draft at two? Bob Knight says, Michael Jordan. Dr. Jack Ramsey says, I already have have, uh, Clyde Drexler. I need a center. Bob Knight replies, then play him at center. So I'm going to give Glenn Robinson his flowers because he might be the greatest college player that I've ever seen in my lifetime. So I, I just want to make sure that I give big dog Glenn Robinson his properties. I just wanted to throw that out there. So you brought up the Knicks, and I'm not even necessarily talking about the Knicks in this particular conversation. I'm talking about that Orlando team. People forget how good that Orlando team was. They Jordan didn't turn the ball which, over and dribble it away when they were up. They would have won that series too. No. They, they lost four to series. one, didn't they? They lost four to two. They, they would have won, won game one, though, if he didn't. They were up one. He had the ball with 12 seconds. He let Nick Anderson pick his pocket from behind in midcourt. That's not Michael Jordan. PC. 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 Don't make me use your shoot name on this smelling farmer, okay? PC. We ain't watch the same thing. Who in the bloody hell did they have to guard a young spry Shaquille O'Neal? That's why they beat them the next oh, year. Wait, I'm sorry. Luke wait, 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 I'm sorry. They I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So they in my scenario, my That's scenario, why they won. in my scenario, when I'm arguing this is the fact that Bulls win game one because Jordan doesn't get his pocket picked with 12 seconds to go by Nick fucking Anderson. Who the fuck is he ever hit a three? What? Yes, but I never played D. Of course not. So. Then he holds the ball. They win game one. So now it's 3-3. And you're telling me that Orlando Magic team has beaten Michael Jordan in a game seven? <sighs> Please. But the fact that they didn't get to game seven proves my point, sir. And you are not going to slam the good goddamn name. My hip- Listen. My hip- goddamn name of Edison on these airwaves, sir. You're not. You're not. I'm my not hip- I won't stand for it. My hippopotamus was he didn't get his pocket pick. I mean, hypothesis. 
but he did, and it happened. And they still didn't have anybody to guard Shaq. Like, that team was just not good. I didn't want to get there yet because we're going to get there momentarily. But that team just Ray, wasn't can good you just tell be- him what – can you tell him what Hakeem, what Hakeem did to Shaq? Can you just tell him? Yeah, but that, that was that was kind of – that was – if you watch Star Wars, that was like a, a like an old-school Jedi, like, humbling a young kid, right? That was Obi-Wan, like, slapping the shit out of Anakin type stuff like you're not ready yet young young jedi like and shaq tells you i lost because he beat me mentally that's what shaq shaq has been talked about it multiple times is because he tried to bully hakeem and hakeem just looked at him was like all right so yeah i'm from africa man i i I grew up playing soccer with no shoes on what the fuck are you gonna do it was it wasn't anything and then the rockets team was built so perfectly in that you had a superstar and everything in the middle flanked by great and competent shooters who all could defend. Like, Well, except that, for Sam like, Cassell. But he made up for it in other yeah, ways. Sam Cassell was the second year, though. I don't think he... He wasn't there in 94, was he? No, he was second, year. second year. Yeah, I think he was... Uh, yeah, that, the 96 team that, that yeah. won the title from a 6 seed, which further proves our point. Like, this Let's was see, a yeah. battle-tested team that yeah. had had players, and they were tough I will, mentally. He had a great I, coach. I will say... I will, that, yeah, too. Our RIP Rui T, yeah. I will say, I think that... Jordan beats the Rockets 95 for one reason. Jordan hates Clyde Drexler. So, he would have found a way to win that series in 95. But nine, the 94 team beats, beats the Bulls, I think. Okay, and, quick quick yes or no. The only, the only word you get here is yes or no to answer this question um, before we move on to, to our final topic so we give that some time so we don't have to rush that. And once again, folks, we thank you for tuning in. We're having a blast talking about this. Uh, there are rumblings that the three of us may uh, keep some kind of uh, sports form, you know, uh, lecturing uh, battlefield going on here as, as we continue on. And we're enjoying ourselves. So my question to you guys is yes or no. If Jordan had stayed and continued to play uh, those two seasons, he was gone. And Ray, you kind of said that you thought that Maybe Jordan couldn't have beaten the first Rockets team, but he maybe could have beaten the second Rockets team. Would one championship against Jordan's Bulls meant more than two championships in a row for yes. the Rockets? That's an instant yes over there, Platt. Instant yes. Yes. Yeah. But right. Without question. Look at LeBron. LeBron's one in Cleveland is worth two, is two in Miami. Actually, right. three in, in I, yeah, because it's I, I was only, I was only, I was only rocking with the with the chips he got, but like, yeah, yeah. And right. I, you know, I, I, you know, I defend Cleveland, but at the end of the day, I understand it's Cleveland. It's and fucking Cleveland. City. So yes, it, I'm yeah. a, I wasn't even talking about the city and the history. Seventy three and nine. Yeah, it's still Cleveland. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, folks, we're about to enter the fourth quarter of this podcast. Let's kick it over to Lord Alfred and uh, pay some bills before we take her home. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. 
This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Shout out to Lord Alfred. He's got a lot of burn this evening, didn't he? Burn. The British are coming. The British are coming. Should I get maybe like uh, Robin Leach next week? Uh, Lifestyles of the rich and famous. Caviar dreams and champagne wishes. I can smoke a bag of that. What was was the quote your boy said? Uh, You know, we start off now and we end with champagne. Gangsta shit, bro. We started from the bottom. Now we eat caviar. I don't know. Is that something? Yeah. I mean, started yeah. from the bottom. Now we to the middle. I feel like I was <laughs> I, honestly. I, said. I hate I hate caviar. I don't want to eat fish eggs. I feel like I was still on the bottom. Yeah, but you know what? It's because you don't have, have a rich mentality in which fish eggs in your rich mentality will taste good. I want a different part of the fish. Give me the fillet. Yeah, but see, only 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 non-rich folk want fillet. Rich folk want the fucking eggs. The sooner the better. All right, the well, second they skeet it out, give them to me. Ray figured me out. I'm not rich. <laughs> oh, you may. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the 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 lack of electricity in your uh, <laughs> surroundings told us that, sir. No, I only, I only, you, I only deal in oil. The <laughs> fact that you cut your own hair told me very quickly. This man is one of us. <laughs> I I could be. I'm like Warren Buffett. I could have saved a lot of money not cutting my hair. <laughs> That's Did you? Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> do I gotta do, I gotta do math on the show? Why do we gotta do math on the show? Well, folks, send your send your hate tweets to at the real C Platt for wanting to do math on a fucking podcast. Anyway, let's get into <laughs> let's get into the last topic. And speaking of math, seventy two and ten. Jordan comes back. Well, he decide. Let let's move backwards a little bit. I got excited because we were talking about math. Not really, though. Um, he calls his agent, David Falk, right? And he's like, we we need to, okay, I'm coming back. Let's put out the press release. And I'm skipping a little bit of him showing up to practice and kind of hanging out with the guys a little bit. And Ray already mentioned the strike, so we know what's, we know what's coming. And... He's like, all right, I'll have some of the press people write some stuff up, and he and he looks it over, and, and he's and he's like, this does no. He's like, give me a pen, and he writes, I'm back. Put that into Absolutely. words, Ray. Ray, put that in the way I want. Look at look at Ray, folks. I wish I wish you could see Ray's face, and I would like to. I would like Ray to let you hear his face. You have you remember how you felt the first time you heard Ether? That's, that's how cold that line is. I come back to it. I'm back. Oh, just, just, just. Uh. Well, that's that. Well, that's colder than Antarctica penguin. Like that's that's cold, bro. That's it. That's all you got to do. I'm back. That's colder that. than Eskimo pussy. See, I ain't want to say that one because I know that's gotta be yours. warm. They reproduce. It's gotta Try be to keep warm. the copyright. <laughs> They probably reap that's, no, that's a cold ass bar. I was gonna talk more about Eskimo Pussy, but we'll keep it moving along. 
We can, but the problem is they don't get sun or they probably don't even go outside and exercise. So when you get after all of that layer of clothing, it's probably not the best. I don't oh, know, well, but Sarah Little Paley was up there, so I don't know. And Mr. Platt, we're, we can be politically correct, cold as Inuit. Let's see. Touche. Also, can we give to bring it full circle because they interviewed Glenn Rice in uh, episode seven or eight. I don't remember which one, but he's the guy that allegedly knocked off Sailor Sarah Palin when he was a uh, college gonna, basketball standout in Michigan. That's what we're gonna remember him for. Not the fact that he's one of the better scorers of the nineties, but that he knocked down Sarah Palin. That's that's it. That's what I'm remembering for. And I love me some Glenn Rice. But did he win a championship I, goes, with somebody? That goes in his stats. Did, did he win a championship with the Spurs? No, with the, with the Lakers. I think with the Lakers. Lakers. Yeah, I think he was, oh, uh, was the third Glenn the Robinson. Third on one of those Lakers teams. Glenn Robinson won it with the Spurs. Glenn Robinson was it won it him? The Spurs. Hold on, hold on. Was it him or was it Mitch Richmond? No, Mitch Richmond came later. Mitch oh, Richmond ain't win no but, title, but, I don't think. Okay. Yeah, no, Mitch Richmond got, I think, the title in 2002. Yeah, Mitch got a title with them. I just can't remember <laughs> if it was him or Glenn that remember, first Lakers Glenn rushed. for sure was the third wheel in the first one. Remember Run TMC? Oh, okay, cool. Oh. Run yeah, TMC, bro. It's a cold-ass team. Yo, man, Don Nelson don't get the credit that he deserves, man. He was ahead of his time. He really luckiest was. Shot he does get the credit he deserves. Luckiest shot in Boston Celtics history when he was a player. <laughs> Look was that, that up. The, uh, the, off the, the three overtime game with the Suns? Is that what that was? Yeah, and off the back of the rim straight up and falls straight down in. But was that the game I'm yes, talking about? Yes, yes, I believe so. Uh, yes, okay. yes. Thank I forgot you. we got a, Paul, Paul we got a Suns fan line, so he would know. JoJo White's still a bitch. We just wow. let Ray soak in that for a minute. Sorry about that, Ray. All right, gentlemen, <laughs> let's bring it back. Let's take this show... And 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 finish it off. Seventy-two and ten that year. Best. I I don't. You can you can take you can have your seventy-three and nine Golden State Warriors. I'll take I'll take the Chicago Bulls that year. I'll take the guy Michael Jordan coming back with that kind of motivation. <laughs> that was the best team ever. See. Okay. There. Uh... Here's why. They would have beaten any other team ever. They would have beaten any other team ever. That year's Michael Jordan and squad would have beaten any other team ever in a vacuum. That's a different conversation. That's why they're the best to me. I can, I can, I can, as, as my brethren would say, smoke a bag of that. But the 73 and nine warriors literally sat like 27 or 30 fourth quarters because they were up so much going into the fourth like that's another level of dominance when the bulls won their 72nd game that night dennis rodman asked why he was playing because he didn't really fucking care until the playoffs started no you're right you in in the in the um in the in the dock they joe bushler said pippen looked at the uh pippen looked at the um one of the sports pages and said damn we're not gonna lose for like two months <laughs> i mean so i feel you I feel you. So I'm looking at the 86 Celtics. I'm looking okay. at the Portland Trailblazers team. I don't remember the Bill exact Walton's, year. Uh, yes. 79er. Yes. 
Yes, the year they beat the they beat Philly in the finals. I'm looking at yeah. that team. And I'm also looking at the 2017 Warriors, which most of us don't want to. They, we don't want to give them their propers because we were all pissed off that Kevin Durant went to that team. But you got to give them their propers when we're talking about best teams ever. I I would put those three teams in the conversation. Quite frankly, I would put the 92 Bulls ahead of the 96 Bulls because number one expansion was happening at the time in that league. So the, the the talent pool was diluted because of expansion. I'll make it brief. This is why the 96 – here's why the 96 Bulls beats any of the earlier Bulls teams because you have an angry Jordan that Horace Grant left Chicago uh, beating okay. those teams with, with Horace Grant. I agree with that. I'll, I'll say this, though, Tony. You're not going to like this, but I think the 86 Celtics beat the Bulls, beat the 96 Bulls. Michael Jordan scored 63 points – after a 50-some fucking game, in games one and two, Larry Bird literally called him God on a basketball court, and you're telling me that if they would have fucking added the people that they had in the later, any other fucking team, there's no way in hell that the 86 Celtics could have kept up with them. Who won that game? I'm saying if the roster was different, you had Jordan and nobody. Us three, Jordan and John Paxson were on the fucking floor for that series, Okay. <laughs> And I carried my weight, but where the fuck were you guys? <laughs> I, well, as Jordan said in what the first episode, smoking and smoking and and, and you guys are part of the traveling cocaine circus, you motherfuckers. <laughs> so was I, but I played okay, good so, that game. Well, just for uh, just to let y'all know, man, I am prohibition and gateway. Though those are my drugs of choice, and if you know, you know. Like everybody ain't gonna get that, but if you know, you know. Oh, but man. Jordan definitely won't get is, that. But the thing is, no, he'll get it now. Cause have you seen his eyeballs? He'll get it. But <laughs> but the thing is, and you know, I cause I want to say that that team was the best team of all time. But at the same point in time, you have to understand that expansion was happening in the league. So the league was diluted. And one thing that they didn't touch on in episodes seven and eight, which I'm disappointed they didn't, but I've heard this from multiple sources. Jordan thought that he was going to sneak in that year that he came back after the baseball thing, whatever that was, it it don't matter here. He thought he was going to be able to sneak in and steal a title because the league was diluted due to expansion. So he thought he was going to be able to sneak in and steal a title. He literally said that, I think I can steal a title. So, you know, the whole Jordan returning, there was some sort of calculation to that. But it 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 just, it goes to show my further point where I don't know, yes, they had that best record, but at the time until the Warriors broke it, that the 16 Warriors that lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers in Game 7, which is the greatest game that was ever played. But it gives credence to that team being the best ever, but they won 72 games at a time where the league was diluted. I mean, I don't know the exact stats, but the Utah Jazz of that year, they won 50, I think it was like 51 and 52 games. And then that year, the, the Bulls won 72, the Utah Jazz won 60. So were they really that better of a team, or were they a team that stuck together? 
and had cohesion and the league got softer and more diluted, which we're going to get to that more next week because I got a lot of interesting thoughts about those two Utah Jazz teams that the Bulls won for the last two titles. We're going to get to that next week. But I, I said all that to say what I had to say. And and one more thing real quick, Tony. Uh, and a uh, note, playoffs are a different beast than the regular season. I know that. I only want to put them in the same breath or the same conversation or the same paragraph. So I'll take a pause to move to the next paragraph. Huh. In the playoffs, while they won 72-10, and 10, to prove Platt's point about the league being diluted, they beat... The Nets. Then they beat the Hornets. Like that's and no this the Hornets were competitive. Eh. The Nets they, were They were eh. the number they were the number one seed. What do you want? No, no, you're right. I'm saying no, you're right. And again, you look, you you play to win the game. I want winners, all the cliches that they play on ESPN. Uh you're right. All you can do is play who the schedule gives you. I'm not disputing that at all, but I'm just showing the point that the league was so diluted at that point with all the expansion of the extra teams. The Magic came, and the Heat came, and the Hornets got a team. And this thing, you get a team, and you get a team. Oprah was throwing them out like it wasn't shit, <laughs> and, right? And the Bulls had two of the five best players, the best. Well, I think Pippen was better off than Dennis, but the best guy in his position to do what he did in Dennis and the best six man and the best coach. So they really were in a perfect spot. I'm not saying that they wouldn't have been great in any other era. I think they really might be the best team ever. I just think it's not definitive because we have to, there's so much that factors in. Style of play, era, injuries, health. Like it's so much that that falls into that. So I'm not, I'm not trying to disrespect 7, 2, and 10. That, that's, still a fucking ridiculous like just it's a stupid stat to think of but I do I, I know you're about to bring it up they they got a little fight in the finals oh you want to talk about you want to talk about them against the Sonics I mean very clearly they were never I think was it Bob Costas or Marv Albert or somebody in the voiceover was saying that uh, these finals are weren't expected to be a, a series more so as it was expected to be a coronation. And it was true. After 72 and 10, just think about it. When the Warriors went 72 and 73 and 9, they didn't lose a game to the finals. Am I wrong? No, they might have lost think... one game before they got to the finals, something like that. But they breezed through. They got punched in the face. I, I feel like that Sonics team gets overlooked. They're kind of a footnote in history, but that team was a lot better than history is going to regard them as. You know what I mean? You had a pre-Coke Sean Kemp, and I'm not saying he wasn't doing Coke at this time, but the Coke didn't get the best of him at this particular point in time. You had Gary Payton, who was probably the only guy in the league that could bar for bar talk that shit with Michael Jordan and hold and his prob- own. And probably one-on-one hold him and, I mean, not you can't, you can't stop Jordan. You can't no. even really contain Jordan, but give him a game. And that's the, the part that doesn't get brought up because, you know, they were 3-0 by the time that, you know, George Carl and Gary Payton, they decided, hey, no, I 
they probably need to be guarding Michael Jordan. He gave Michael Jordan his issues. Obviously, you're not going to stop Mike. But I do wonder how different that series might have been if Gary Payton had been guarding Mike from the beginning. Not saying that they would have won. Sure. I'm just saying perhaps it could have been more competitive. That ain't no George Carl decision, by the way. Gary Payton told that man, get the fuck out the way. I'm guarding this motherfucker. Yeah. I... Uh... Did they go to a game seven? Oh no, Jordan never went to a game seven. That's the that's the no. reason why nobody can never catch him because he that's didn't even part, get to a game yeah, seven. Yeah, that's part of the cachet when it comes to Mike. Yeah, we know that. You and you know that too. You said that to say some other shit. So what? What's the other shit you're gonna say? <laughs> Let's close on this. Let's close on this because I think this is the most real Michael Jordan moment that's gonna happen in the entire series, and it happened last night, and he. He was talked about like how he approached the game and like how he pushed his teammates so much and how he played the game and how he had pretty much held the fact that he was going to be the the ultimate winner, the best of all time. That was his main priority and nothing else really mattered. Like, did he want to be remembered as a nice guy was kind of a, a point that was being brought up. And he, he got choked up in, in, in answering that with, if you don't want to play that way, don't play that way. And he said, break. And they cut. And to me, it kind of hit home because, like, I, not only do I continue to play sports, but I, I basically, like, run a team full of guys who are really good athletes and have been doing this for a long time. And I've always said running a team is like babysitting grown men because it's a game that we're playing regardless of how important it is to you or not. And sometimes you do have to be the bad guy in order to maintain a winning culture. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, no, um, please. you know, I appreciate, as I'm sure most of America or the world does, when you have people who are traditionally guarded when they become introspective and they allow you in. It's one of the reasons why Kobe Bryant became one of my favorite athletes in the past four years, and I was so crushed after what happened earlier this year because I spent my whole career, I'm a Phoenix Suns fan, and I live in Houston. I hated Kobe, right? I hated Kobe in every way, form, or fashion. And then he showed me who he was, and he became one of my favorite humans on this earth um, because he finally had the opportunity to show me who he was. And Michael Jordan is such a mythical figure that Michael Jordan, the legend, almost usurps Michael Jordan, the person. Um, and Michael Jordan, the person, was quite content to let the legend be the person. Um, it's almost like the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard just a dude's chilling in the back, but that mythos is what builds everything and keeps the entire system moving, right? Um, so to see him be that introspective, and not just about the teammates, but he t- when t- his dad, and like these two episodes were probably the most emotional you'll ever see, Mike. Um, Kobe's death notwithstanding. Um, so I appreciated that. I appreciated seeing 
some introspection into not only how much winning matters to him, but where the line is in his mind between does he care what people think of him and how he's remembered compared to would he do it again? And he showed very fervently, and I want to make this point quite salient, um, in any form or facet of life, whether it be in your personal life, in business, in any form of the arts, entertainment, in sports, in any form or fashion of your life, when you are striving to be truly and utterly successful, I'm talking about to the highest umpteenth degree, not I did a few things in my field, but like to be known as one of the best in your field, to do something that's truly generationally poignant, right? To do something that has lasting effects. There is sacrifice. And there's sacrifice in everything we do, but to that level, there is massive sacrifice. With those sacrifices, you lose things that you don't even know you lost sometimes, right? Uh, All three of us are wrestling podcasters. Wrestlers all the time talk about how they've missed birthdays and and family engagements and their parents died and when the chance didn't chance to go see and all these things, the sacrifices to be great, to follow their dream, to live their passion. Michael Jordan, the entire thing he was run by his entire life was I want to be the best. And whether that made him a dick and he punched Steve Kerr, whether that made him an asshole and take away food from Horace Grant because he played bad, whether that made him uh whether that made him um, not 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 necessarily a, um, not not an understanding dude and and dragging Dennis Rodman out of a tryst in the middle of Vegas on the strip, whatever he did, he didn't do it to be liked. He didn't do it to be friendly. He didn't do it to do anything else other than to be the best he could be to win. He said one quote that was so pointed to me that like I, it meant something to me. He said that, uh, you know, when he got to Chicago, they were garbage. They were fucking trash. And now that he has built and broken his back to get that franchise and organization to a championship level, people want to come in here now and live off of what he built. You're not going to come in here and live off of that and not work. Because the hardest worker in the room was the guy that had every reason to go sit back and chill and play quarters with the albino uh, guard <laughs> working in the United States. Did you see the cut shot of him walking behind Jordan, you know, down the hallway at one point in yes. the episode? He looked mean as yes. fuck, though. If you was on the side and you was jumping in, you'd be like, that guy's weird and I don't really want to mess with him. <laughs> I don't think I don't, all, I don't think he's going to kick my ass, but he might he might grab my ass or I don't know what he's going to do. He'll do some, well, but it's that, not gonna be pleasant. No, that's part of the um, the mythos. I think it has to be part of the mythos of Michael Jordan, where he's a guy that achieves such a level of greatness. Like, there's very few people that have ever been on the Michael Jordan level. I mean, what are we talking? Michael Jackson, maybe yeah. Elvis Presley. I mean, how many people Tiger have won? Woods. How many people in their lives have ever won three championships in a row? In anything. But I mean, I, I'm not just talking about sports. I'm talking like the Dalai Lama, Queen oh, Elizabeth. Like, yeah, there's just only a, a X amount of people 
that can relate to being on that particular level. And you can't just, you know, you get to a point, you can't just run to Walmart at 1045 at night and go get some toilet paper. Like you, you know, you, you can't do little certain normal shit like that. And it comes to a point where, and I think that's why that resonated with me so much because, you know, the little weird looking dude security guy, he probably spent the majority of his time not on the court with those melon farmers because he's Michael Jordan. And everybody just can't have access to Michael Jordan because he's Michael Jordan. And think about the burden that it has to be to be Michael Jordan. Like, we always, all of us, we aspire to be to that level and to be looked at in that reference. But at the same point in time, there's a, a, a downside to that, a B-side to that. He's Michael Jordan. You can't just do normal ass shit when you're Michael Jordan, which that's another reason why I, I don't know what happened when he retired the first time, but I can understand that maybe that burden was just too much, which is why I don't think they would have won eight consecutive titles because that's a lot to put on anybody and he's still a human being. So, you know, I, I, I said all that to say that I agree with what, what you know, a lot of what Ray said and shit, what did you ask, BC? You asked a question. Let tell me what the question was again, so I can. Bring the it fuck home. you? Asked, how long we've been working together? You're gonna ask me something? I can't usually remember what I was gonna ask, let alone what I asked. He was asking, I guess, what did you think about his? Thank final God for comments and uh, the int- the introspection. I think I wanted you to wrap. I, the I mean, sh- I got you. I, I mean, think I wanted you to wrap the show up, motherfucker. Well, you're gonna wrap it up, but. You know, to to piggyback off what Ray said, I just it's a lot to be Michael Jordan, and you know, uh, you know, it, it it it's weird. You get you also have to take into consideration, and this is something that I said earlier. Like this doesn't happen without Michael Jordan's approval, so they're only going to be so critical of Michael Jordan, and they have showed certain parts that weren't necessarily the best look in Michael Jordan, but they're only going to go so far because this doesn't happen without the approval of Michael Jordan. And again, like I said earlier, that's why I try to bring certain stories and stuff like that into consideration when we're doing this podcast to try to bring some brevity and some context to the situation. All right, gentlemen. Anything that you didn't get out this evening that you would like to before we... Tell everybody where they can bitch and moan at us. We know Michael's a maniac, right? Yep. Two things we didn't talk about. And we, we, I know we don't have time or whatnot, but for those of you who are listening, if you just hit us up on Twitter or something, but him filming Space Jam all day long to go play three hours of basketball at night with all the NBA players is insane. And then the story about the poor kid in Washington, who made up the story about saying, hey, nice game, Mike, and went and st- scored 36 on him in the first half, Michael Jordan is a maniac. He's a goddamn sociopath. He's crazy. He's crazy like a fox. My name is PC Tunney. You can find me at PC Tunney. You can find me on the podcast known as DWI, at Podcast DWI. You can also find me right here on this PIW special. Of course, you've been listening to it. That's one of the dumber things I've said tonight. In addition, 
Myself, Mr. Platt, you can find us with the one and only Andrew Snowflake Balls Balazs uh, every Thursday on the Chairshot.com Pod is War. And we got the Frankie DeFalco show going on right now. In addition, check out Bandwagon Nerds, one of the up-and-coming shows. Mr. Ray Cash, I know you got a lot of stuff going on. I know they can find you on the social interwebs, and you're doing some good podcasting as well. Well, thank you, sir. You can find me at Chair Shot Greg. Uh, no, you can find me at It's Ray Cash. Uh, R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in Dollars. My show is The Outsider's Edge, which uh, you can find at Outsider's Edge CS. As I say on every podcast, if you own Outsider's Edge, that Twitter handle, holla at your boy. I'll, I'll give you a shirt, and Platt will do some voiceover work for you, and Tony will throw you a cat. No, we can't make cat. No, okay, you okay, he'll throw you a kid. It's on the air. Man. It's on, it's on air on the internet. It's got to be price true. Is, price is right, Bob Barker. They're spayed and neutered. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, I want to throw one more thing out. Your boy been bored. I threw out a column. It's, I think it dropped today. Check that out. Yo, man, you need to uh, visit Ray's columns, man. Ray's actually a very talented writer, and I don't always agree with what he says in his columns or what he says verbally, but he's a very talented guy, and he's a smart guy, and he knows how to get his points across to make you think, well, maybe he's right. So, yeah, go joke, check out that column, for real, for real. I was trying to, get, I was trying to uh, uh, put you over. Did I bury you? Because I wasn't trying to. I mean, but that, for for us and for you, it's one and the same. All right, that's fair. Yeah, hey, man, you guys can find me on the Real C Platt at Twitter. More importantly, make sure you go to ProBustingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. If you appreciate the content that we put out day in and day out, show us some love and make sure we can continue to put this content out. And you do that by going to ProBustingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Uh, anything else that anybody wants to say before we get up out of here? Yeah, I, there was once upon a time I was thinking about getting my testicles laminated. I'm sure there was, and I'm probably made mention to that, which is probably the joke that you're trying to bring up now. So get your balls reupholstered, Mr. Tunney, and shout out to everybody out there that gets their balls reupholstered. That's the thing? I thought that was just a bit Dave Chappelle said about <laughs> moving your balls and <laughs> balls are hey, moving Hey, man, for Mr. Ray Cash, for the Commissioner PC Tunney, for everybody out there that have gotten their balls reupholstered, I'm Mr. Velvet Pipes PC Christopher Platt. I was about to say PC Platt, Jesus Christ. I'm Mr. Velvet Pipes Christopher Platt. Thank you guys for tuning in to this. We're going to be back next week with, oh, I hate to say it, but the final episode because we've only got two left, and this has been great. But anyway, tune in next time until next time shalom sometimes i dream of that gleam my balls are looking really goddamn smooth boom 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 you don't know but that's you what i but that's what i did i lacquered my balls and i did my taint i did i did i did my taint <laughs>
Boom, boom, boom. Ah, boom. Oh, oh. 